Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest on the podcast this week is Michael Joseph. Michael is an accomplished food tech entrepreneur, currently building Scratch Kitchen, which is a vertically integrated on-demand restaurant platform built for customers that want everyday healthy meals. They've got locations currently in Denver and Boulder, and I can vouch the food is delicious. Prior to Scratch, Michael was the founder and CEO of Green Chef, which he led to $120 million revenue run rate, 800 employees, and a sale to HelloFresh. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. You know, we'll, we'll dive into what you're up to with Scratch Kitchen, but first, we'd just love to hear a little bit about your background, your entrepreneurship journey. You've got a great list of experiences and, and kind of what brought you to uh, today. Totally. I'm very long on the Colorado ecosystem because this is where my entrepreneurial career uh, started back in 2004, selling food on the internet before the iPhone uh, came out. And so I'm now building my fourth direct consumer food business. But my first one was organic produce delivery called Door to Door Organics. There may be some former customers on the line. I say former because the PE firm that bought our company sadly crashed at 13 years after a nice, you know, profitable company. <laughs> had emerged. And then, you know, just trying to keep the background short, I, I did take a three-year hiatus doing some adventuring, some investing in myself. And then I built a vertically integrated uh, online grocer, which was called Mile High Organics. I say was called I had to make a really hard decision with that business. We actually shut it down intentionally because in about five months before we did that, we launched my more recent company called Green Chef. Uh, may have some customers on the line. That was the first organic meal kit company. That was also my first hypergrowth company and uh, the first time where I would say I learned to be a, a tech executive, even though I sold uh, food on the internet for the first two companies, I never referred to myself that way. And uh, and yeah, and now I'm, I'm building a, a new type of on-demand restaurant called Scratch Kitchen. Well, tell us about Scratch. I know Chris and I have both have eaten there. The food food's awesome. I uh, can't wait till you open the location close to me pretty soon, but tell our listeners uh, all about Scratch. Yeah. And, and for the Burroughs family location, we're, we're a few weeks away. It is like I'm on pins and needles, a lot of exciting stuff going around. By here. the time we release this episode, I'll probably have uh, been your most, your most frequent customer. <laughs> so uh, the, the short of it is uh, Scratch Kitchen, you can go to the website scratchkitchen.com. It's a one-stop shop for everyday healthy eating. Like It's kind of unsexy. We sell boring everyday uh, meal uh, solutions, but they're all clean label. Um, healthier options of everyday favorites where folk can buy across all of our menus and personalize the meals for different dietary uh, specialties all in a single uh, transaction. It's just takeout and delivery. And, you know, we're just making our customers' uh, lives a little better every day. And this is the beginning of my fourth journey. So I uh, am definitely an entrepreneur. I chose to do this again and, and really lean into the lessons from the hyper growth uh, VC fueled business that I last sold in the beginning of 18. And, uh, and now we're just at the beginning here, you know, uh, refining our model in Colorado before we bring it to other parts 
uh, of the country. And so very pumped about that early on the journey. Um, but you know, we're, we're on our way to later this year crossing 100 employees. Like the company is it's not so much of a startup anymore. So Michael, you, you've been in Colorado for a while and you've seen sort of the evolution of, of tech in Colorado. We'd just love to hear your perspective on what it was like when you got here and started building your first company and what it's like today and what excites you about it. Chris, love that question. And, you know, listen, I moved to Boulder, you know, small town up, up here out of the Denver metro area back in 03 and, and became an entrepreneur about a year later. You know, I, I didn't really know anything about tech at that point in my career. I'd come out of college in the Midwest studying economic theory. I, I believed in technology in terms of like what it meant on an economics graph, but didn't appreciate, you know, the folks who were really building out the internet and what was uh, coming out. Out of that. So I came to the entrepreneurial scene from a very different uh, angle, but learned over time and really, you know, got to build my network and, and wound up getting exposed to tech, uh, tech stars, uh, uh, kind of like, I think that was 2008 or 2009. And that's where my mind started opening more. And I, I started exploring what the tech sector here really was about. And I would say in those earlier days from my experience, uh, it seems really rudimentary, frankly, compared to the world that we now live in. And also just for a piece of uh, perspective, so my last company, Green Chef, we co-located both in Boulder and then Mountain View in, in Silicon Valley. And so I had this deep exposure you know, to the, you could say, the most robust tech ecosystem there is. And then I could use that as a point of comparison. I have seen a tremendous acceleration of the tech scene where it was happening both in Boulder and Denver, but they were treated kind of as separate markets. And, you know, folks were slowly emerging uh, here with, with new types of companies, ones that actually looked really good and promising, uh, but there weren't too many of them to hire talent. You usually had to go out of market, not all the time, of course, um, but over time, what I've seen now, especially in Denver, I'm very bullish on, on what's happening in Denver now, you know, talking about 2022, I've been here nearly 20 years. What I've seen is an ecosystem where we have this increasingly robust talent pool. And so not just like the lunatics who start the companies and have the visions and say, hey, I'm going to turn this into reality. But what has been so amazing, it's just like there are more types of very uh, talented executives and then other types of employees that are needed by these fast growing companies are actually in market. And the decision in the past where, you know, if you have to recruit talent from out of the state, there'd be big questions around whether they could come if they're actually a family and, you know, was there something for a dual working family out in this market? And Denver, it feels like a robust market now. It's, I think it's changed tremendously what you guys are doing. Investing in this ecosystem, I think, is just helping uh, perpetuate what's become a virtuous cycle. You know, people really want to live here. And there, there's now kind of enough, in my opinion, uh, of an ecosystem where it's becoming uh, self-sufficient. So, so that's how I'd kind of capture the arc of what I saw. Yeah, Michael, another you know piece of that, obviously, equation is having multiple time entrepreneurs like you who've seen it, who've, who've done the thing, had, had a good exit, angel investing back in the ecosystem. I know you do some angel investing yourself and look at companies and, and related to that. What's a company or two that you're particularly excited about locally that's not Scratch? Yeah, 
I love it. And, and I love lot. I mean, I, I love entrepreneurs in, in general, uh, is the truth. And so whether I invest in a company or I just help advise, say, a first time founder uh, from some of my own lessons, I think there are a bunch of wonderful companies. I'll give two great examples locally. Uh, one's going to be so self-serving because of the audience. Um, and full disclosure, you know, I, I am invested in a company with you guys um, here called Guest House that's modernizing uh, the market place ecosystem or what it even means to be a marketplace honestly where they're you know doing house staging on the surface but behind the scenes actually becoming a furniture selling marketplace where i saw this vision uh from alex the leader where it's like hey like why can't all these homes actually go to more use like the fact that all this work has to happen to set up a home uh to be staged uh just to sell that home and like that's the only use of it he took that like multiple uh, levels deeper and has a big vision there. And I, I see where it's going and it's all about utilizing things, uh, assets that were in place, but being totally underutilized. I was super excited when I was able to join that and really excited about the arc of the company. And then one of, one of my companies that's a little bit further down the path, and this was just like someone I, I was friends with. You, you just never know how you're going to meet an entrepreneur that, that could hit a home run. Honestly, I, I don't want to you know jinx anything, uh, uh, obviously, by saying something like that. Uh, but Sunday, uh, Sunday, the, the direct-to-consumer lawn care company uh, out here, uh, Coulter Lewis, has, has been a freaking rock star. And uh, he just showed me as a friend in the earliest days, uh, this was back in 2018, uh, not too long after I sold Green Chef, and he, he showed me how the uh, lawn care industry, I'm talking about like Scott's and miracle Grow and Home Depot, had been totally stagnant. There was no drops of personalization, even though they're selling these products across you know, a very diverse uh, country. And growing a lawn is different in different parts of the country and is an eco-focused bent to it all. But he created this new direct-to-consumer model uh, that actually took into, a fa- into account existing science on landscapes, but then real personalization, like you start your program, you get a soil test kit. And the next thing you know, you get these very simple fertilizer mixes that are better for you and, and your lawn and your family and all that good stuff. And it actually works. And, and, and I could keep going on with local companies. I know we're time bound here, but what I'm pumped about is like, there's a real ecosystem, like there's robustness in the start, the earlier stage startup. And now we we're starting to see, you know, what I would call like legitimate unicorns. I think that later stage companies in Colorado are more scrutinized than on the coasts in general. And there's still a bigger leap for those larger checks to be written. And so what I've seen, this is a personal observation, is that those companies locally seem to be more sound, especially now that we're going through these macroeconomic we'll call volatility, really, uh, but we're not necessarily seeing our smaller ecosystem. It's smaller for sure. There are less of these companies, but boy, there aren't any examples that were hollow on the inside. And again, this is a personal observation. And I'm so excited about that because the better this local ecosystem does, the more self-reinforcing it becomes, the more folks like you who, who go from you know entrepreneurs to wanting to be investors. And I contemplated that personally, but I was like, you know what, I'll support those guys too, but I'm a lunatic and I want to go build. And, uh, and so there's a little bit on, on kind of really favorite, favorites, a, a tough word, cause I've lots of favorites, but kind of a sample of, of some great companies out here. And, and what I, I see it is happening. 
Michael, you know, getting back to sort of, you know, you being a lunatic and starting another company, right? It, you've been down this path multiple times, right? And I'm sure over the course of, of it, you've learned many lessons, but we'd love to dive into what's the biggest lesson you've learned over your entrepreneurial journey and, and how did you learn it and how do you put those learnings into practice today? It's very interesting that my skills around being resourceful and persistent were things that had been with me since you know childhood memories from kindergarten, but I never knew how to focus and harness that energy and put it into a productive space. The more plain vanilla schooling experience that I had around me, uh, it wasn't really conducive with what my life force wanted to do. And so when that first entrepreneurial experience came up, I really jumped at it because I felt like it was part of my my inner truth, if you will, because like a huge lesson to me, and I do have many, but like being true to yourself, but having the clarity of understanding what that means has uh, kept me on this arc and journey. And, you know, there's this theme of like better for you food along the journey that I happen to be on, which has also been a passion of mine since some of my earliest memories. I remember cooking when I was, you know, six years old and I have a lot of other experiences there. But over my career, I, I didn't necessarily have uh, the, the exact clarity and focus around where I was going to focus, you know, my energy itself, because a huge part of this lesson is, and I, I do think that everyone has, you know, lots of energy, but being able to, first of all, harness it, really understand yourself and then take, you know, what I call is your laser beam, right? And focus that on what you want to do, because Every, I mean, I, probably everyone listening on this podcast understands to a great degree the hardships of going from zero to one and creating something from nothing and what that actually takes. And so, of course, you have to know yourself and have a bunch of clarity, but persistence or like what I call from when I look back at my childhood, like it's rudimentary. It's like breaking through walls, uh, which I was seen as a rule breaker. But it's like those rules were stupid and I didn't have the faculty yet kind of harnessed uh, in my own learnings to be able to articulate that those rules were stupid. And, you know, what looked like misbehavior was really just doing what I believed in. Again, this is, I call it getting to know yourself because I believe we all have our, our special superpowers to give. And, and so, you know, my lessons are really all around that and, and, and learning as I go and continuing to learn and harness those learnings to keep focusing on on what I love and what I believe in. And part of that is, you know, surrounding myself with great people, right? Who help me learn, help me break through walls. And I like to help them break through walls too, right? We were just talking about the angel investing side. I, you know, I'm a fortunate person. I get to build a company that I really want to build. I invest in some really cool entrepreneurs and I've supported some really great uh, fund managers. And the common theme is like, Every one of these groups is breaking through walls in their own way and has decided to dedicate their life to doing something that they believe in. And so that's something that really just brought me to entrepreneurship and something that's been with me, you know, every day and the clarity of it, though, and, and understanding my own decision making through that arc is really what's gotten refined because that was really you know, all over the places I was learning and, and, you know, a lot of learning by doing is you have to try stuff so you can get responses and then see what makes sense going 
uh, forward. I, I don't want to you know push this on and become too long winded, um, but but that's a little bit more inside in, in terms of what I call my own you know personal lunacy, <laughs> my own flavor. Would love um, a specific example uh, with Scratch or one of your other companies. You know how you action this and what the outcome of of really leaning into it was for you and the company. Totally. And so I'm actually going to go back in history a little um, because one of the stories that, I, that I've just told to, you know, some of my entrepreneur friends, especially, this seems to really resonate. And it was this transition where I was running this online grocer just in Colorado called Mile High Organics. And this company that became my first hyper growth experience, Green Chef, uh, came out of it wasn't even a pivot. It was I, There was actually four and a half months of my life where I ran two companies in parallel. But getting back to how that happened and how it ties to this idea of knowing myself and, and just focusing that laser beam and the persistence to break through walls. So I had self-funded uh, this, now my second company. Um, I didn't have outside investors in my first company. My network hadn't uh, really developed yet. And I was hanging out in smaller town Boulder. So getting back to the tech ecosystem then, sure, I knew a couple of you know interesting folks at that point in time, but it was really limited. So I had to go out into the world and figure out, like, I'm like, holy crap, if I want to make this company work right now, like, I need resources that I do not have to make it work. And I had this really limited uh, network. Where'd I go? LinkedIn, guys. I mean, I hustled my ass off and I just felt like I could meet um, some really interesting people. And also I used AngelList and those were the earlier days of AngelList to start meeting people. And I was just like, I need to go talk to a bunch of interesting people and and find someone who believes they have to believe in what I'm doing. And and then, you know, not like I knew how to get a deal done, but I'm like, you know, I'll I'll find I'll find a way. I'll figure it out. I'll talk to enough people. Kept cobbling together this angel money to the point where my company was getting ready to to expand. And and this is this online grocer called Mile High Organics. Well a couple of the guys who I'd met, I, I well, I, I, it was really just one of a set of two. One of them had blindly invested. We didn't meet each other. It was a transitive connection through the business, the common business partner. These guys were video game entrepreneurs out in Silicon Valley. I, I like knew nothing about Silicon Valley and like the companies out there. Again, I wasn't calling myself a tech entrepreneur yet. I, I really couldn't speak that language uh, in any proficient way, maybe at a kindergarten level. Net net though, uh, in the beginning of 2014, just because I had a vision for the products my customers wanted to buy, I was selling all sorts of groceries, but also prepared foods. We saw this noise in the fundraising markets around meal kits. No one was making organic meal kits. We started selling organic meal kits just as a line extension. Little did I know, a couple months later, when I was going to Mountain View to hang out with uh, these guys, well, one of whom I'd become friendly with, the other was his co-founder of this video game company I was looking forward to meeting for the first time. And I was going to chat with those guys about our expansion plans to take our business to the next level and how we were going to you know, raise capital to do that. Because it's not like I knew how to, you know, I might, might have cobbled together a few million bucks. That's very different than putting together a growth round. So in that crazy little business update, and, and by the way, the persistence and, and kind of believing in yourself and knowing what is true peace. Here's what's crazy. So these two guys, Ling and Dan, Ling, who I've gotten to know, shows up on time to his office. I mean, it's his office. They're incubating companies after the sale of their company. Um, they were already angel investors in my company. Dan, the other half of the equation, man, he, he wasn't there and he wasn't showing up. 
and we were just like starting this meeting and like 45 minutes, an hour had gone by and Ling's like, oh, sadly, this is, you know, par for the course with my partner. I love the guy, but it's like, you know, he's, he's just not like disciplined with timing. But if you stick around, if you can stick around, you know, he'll, he'll show up. And like a couple hours went by, I was literally just working away um, at a table, an open workstation. And Dan comes, this is before my flight to come back to Denver. And wow, did my worldview change based on this meeting. So here's what happens because of the persistence, okay? So I'm like, hey, you know, I got this whole online grocery thing, really strong product market fit. There, there are unit economics that support a real business model here. Um, I, I didn't know anything about hypergrowth at that point, right? I'm leaning on my friends to learn about it. And I tell them about this new little meal kit thing, just like a little drop in the bucket part of the update. Dan's eyes lit up and he's like, wait, did you just tell me about a, an organic blue apron that you kind of started in your business. And I saw this look of potential, like endless potential in the guy's eyes. He didn't really look at his business partner, Ling, during this. And he just went into a stream of consciousness saying, hey, you know, by the way, if you just like uh, focus on this thing and make this thing the business, like the two of us, we'll seed fund that. We'll help you recruit all this talent you didn't have on your bench. And so at that point, it was like all these data scientists, performance marketers, et cetera. And we'll help you spin up the company. The short version of where that story went is um, this is why I had the office co-located in Boulder and Mountain View. We did it. We put two uh, teams together and created a very large uh, company. And in Green Chef, we didn't really talk about in, in my intro in terms of numerically, but it was insane. We started the company in September of 2014. And three and a half years later, I built it to a peak run rate of 120 million. I had 800 full-time employees. I had become a tech entrepreneur through the School of Hard Rocks. And I'd gone to public schools my entire life, but I definitely call my first venture back business, my first private school. And then we sold to the global market leader in meal kits, HelloFresh. Would any of that have ever happened? All the experiences that have enhanced my life and the things that I care about, um, had I not been persistent and focused on what I believed in and gone for it and done what others might have thought was not possible, uh, perhaps like true lunacy. <laughs> and so anyways, to me, like it's moments like that and believing in yourself when all the signals around you could be giving you the information that you might might misinterpret as, hey, maybe it's time to you know chill out, throw on the towel, refine the business, uh, you know, have a smaller vision. Shut it down. You know that that's always a decision an entrepreneur like has to face. It's 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 daunting, and I have been in those positions. I've been so cash poor multiple times. It builds a thick level of skin and shows you more, you know, about what's possible on the other side if you really believe in yourself. And you have to be honest with yourself too. You don't want to be totally blinded. And so, you know, that clarity is something that still happens over time, and I'm sure will in, until until my end of days. Um, so anyways, Chris, I, hopefully that wasn't too too long-winded, but it, it's really kind of like that breaking through and having faith and, and being really focused on, you know, what you believe in. And that includes, you know, who you want to work with and, and, and how those people feel. Um, yeah, Michael, it's a, it's a great construct because it's obviously what we as investors look for in founders, right? As founders who are willing to break through walls, who are laser focused and obsessed with success, won't accept failure. I mean, you could phrase it in a bunch of different ways, but it's that same common theme. 
my one question for you is, how do you know? I mean, you're, you're a guy who's, again, a repeat entrepreneur, tons of new ideas all the time. <laughs> how do you know what's that one that sticks that you're going to go all in on, are going to be willing to break through walls, are going to be willing to ride the roller coaster for? How do you know that it's the one? Well, and this is where like, you know, lifelong learning is a passion of mine, right? Knowing myself really matters. Um, and so I'm, I'm testing that theory as, as we speak, uh, because what's crazy, even though I just, you know, told you about this hyperscale business that went through that entire cycle in such a condensed period of time, the amount of research that we did before starting that business was pitiful. Um, I'm going to describe what it was. And I say pitiful only because I did raise something like $65 million against what was not much more than a hunch and a dummy website. And so the only research that went into that business, and, and I'll get into like how my view is refined in a minute or two here, but I started this meal kit business. I spent a few thousand dollars on a line extension on my existing business. That was a low risk uh, situation. I had a customer base. I had all the infrastructure I needed. My dear friend, Brian, a long-term business partner, he and I knew how to you know go make these products. So our research was, hey, all this money is flying in the space. There are all these customers buying these products. There just like isn't a product made for our customer base. So there should be. And and then the additional research before my buddies Ling and Dan invested their million and a half of seed capital, you know, didn't really take it uh, to like. It's interesting. I'm very curious to you know. Hopefully, I'll hear feedback from some of your listeners in the future. You know, we built a dummy website. You know, we we did a little painted door test, and you know, we modeled off of you know what was working for Blue Apron as a control type of experiment. But we had a dummy website, dummy ads, and we said, well, what's this you know certified organic positioning going to do? Well, it showed us that there were much cheaper uh, ways to acquire customers, and there's a lot of headspace around those customers. And so it showed that, hey, there, there really was a customer base that wasn't being served. This had nothing to do with, is there a long-term, like durable business model here? Okay. And so all of that is, in a nutshell, the research that went into a company that, I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's approaching a half a billion dollar a year uh, company as part of HelloFresh right now. So it worked in this notoriously hard industry, but taking that forward and, and how do you know? Because when I looked back and I did all of my, I, I did lots of reflection after that experience. And so, and so to me, I was like, man, what would happen knowing what I know now after all of these lessons, if I actually do extensive research, right, to build uh, like a much higher level of conviction from the beginning, and that's what I did to start my current company. And I've built something, you know, that's in its infancy. And I'll just put some numbers in front of people. It's tiny because it's like a hyper local business model until you build it out. And then it's this big ass network. I serve 0.15% of the United States market with an MVP of a business model. And we're doing like a $7 million run rate. So, and I did extensive research to get, this is my current company I'm talking about. So, and I did extensive research, you know, talking to all sorts of investors, entrepreneurs, operators in, around, tangential to the space and some together, you know, what, what are now my 17 going on 18 years of direct to consumer food experience. And of course that network that grew around me during that time. And so I committed to doing that level of research because I wanted to create an enormous company and, and I, 
couldn't imagine a better way to go around de-risking this than go talk to folks who had been in all sorts of tangential businesses who are in competitive and tangential businesses and kind of understanding what's going on in around the space, looking for where I could make a difference, where my special skill set would have an outsized outcome. And now where I sit today is like, we built a very powerful working business model where we have not pivoted at all. We actually opened our doors for this business in March of 2020. It's crazy. So we've been through some intense times. Um, but um, because of all the extensive research, plus I had all these life lessons along with me, but I, I really attribute it to the quality and depth of research that I put in behind the business, in addition to all the other stuff that you know is me and has made things work for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Michael. It's definitely inspiring uh, to have you in Colorado and see what you're building now and, and see the repeat entrepreneurship uh, take hold in the ecosystem and, and have you be a big part of, of it. So where can folks follow what you're up to with Scratch and, and where can they uh, go try a meal if they want to? Oh, absolutely. So so scratchkitchen.com, all properly spelled. You can find our locations and we're opening this new one in a few weeks. But again, by the time we're airing, it should be open. So serving Boulder and uh, downtown Denver and then most of the uh, east side of the city. West side's coming next year. Uh, sorry, please be patient. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, to anyone who's listening. Um, and then on LinkedIn, uh, you can find me with my name and Scratch Kitchen. Uh, that, that is really the place where I'm uh, spending my time elsewhere and I, I respond to direct messages and have found all sorts of business partners and opportunities since I shared part of my story, you know, in today's recording, right? I found some of the most pivotal business partners of my lifetime because of that open-mindedness to meeting someone when they were just, you know, a, a, web, a static web page before I knew them. So, and I just love being part of this ecosystem and I, I love what you guys are doing and and cannot wait till fun two is out. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate it. 